Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Justice Revolution. I'm your host, James the Patriot, and I'm joined with me today, my co-hosts, Erica and Justice. Say hello, guys. Hey, guys. Well, you got to say hello, Justice. There's people Hi. Yes, remember. <laughs> hello, Justice. <laughs> hello, Justice. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thanks, everyone, for joining us. For those of you who are watching, we appreciate you being here. Um, for those of you who might be listening on one of our podcast uh, po- uh, platforms, we appreciate you guys checking us out. C to AZ, what's going on? Etain, hello, welcome. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, all right, <clears throat> so much to cover, so much to cover. Erica, you have have been leaving people on, on this edge of a cliff for the last two weeks now. Are you going to let anybody know what's going on, or are you just going to keep going to keep that there? Well, I've already been working on a lot of it, but um, the the actual coming together of the entire thing we won't find out until this next week. So okay, I'm I'm waiting to reveal all of it until that point. But so you're saying we 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 one more week we have to wait one more week one more week hopefully <sighs> I I thought I would have had it resolved this week but um, <laughs> some unforeseen circumstances which I'm also really curious to find out what the real story is about that. I mm. will know more next week too. I think about that. Mm. Interesting. Well, um, I guess we're just going to have to wait, but uh, I know you'll keep us posted as soon as you do. So, yeah. So thanks. Um, Justice, what's new in your world? Anything? Uh, we've had a lull in the snow, which is, I been know, thankful. <laughs> it's been, the sun is actually out. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of hard to, um, it's kind of hard to not be happy when the sun is out. Right. I mean, yep. Yep. Little warmth, little sun. That's kind of yes. new for the last month. Amen. Amen. Yep. Heather, welcome. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. All right, guys. Well, so the topic of our show today is, is how, how do we know if a law is valid? How do we know if one of these people that's, that's prosecuting you, how do you know if that's a valid law, if the legislature actually made that law? We're going to get to that in a second. I want to give you guys an update on one of the cases I'm working on. Um, you guys probably already know I posted some information in uh, the Telegram chat earlier this week, but we got, uh, so so for those of you who have been following along, you, you know that when you file in federal court as a pro se litigant and it's a civil case, chances are very high they're going to want to have a magistrate judge handle all of that. So what happens when you file that case, they send you paperwork asking for you to consent because the law states that you have to consent to it. Well, I didn't want that and nobody else did. I want an Article Three justice. That's the, those are the only people that are authorized to hear matters of we the people. So a magistrate judge is not an Article Three judge. They're there mainly for administrative purposes. They're there to help. They're supposed to help um, the smooth administration of justice. But I'm finding out that that's far from the truth. So anyway, what happened was we have I have a friend of mine who um was being prosecuted for going to school to pick up his son. <laughs> if you can imagine, um, there's an obscure law, quote unquote law. We're going to talk about this here in a minute. There's an obscure law that states that if you're given notice, you're not allowed to show up on school property. Well, never mind the fact that that law violates every due process right you have. Set that aside for a moment. Um, this individual was being prosecuted in one of these kangaroo courts that we talk about all the time. 
So we filed a lawsuit in federal court asking for the court to step in to put a stop to it. Well, what happened was the court asked us if we would have the magistrate judge hear our case. We said no. Well, what happens is the court says, okay, that's fine. We're just going to go ahead and hand everything over to the magistrate judge anyway. And then instead of them issuing a final order, they're going to issue what's called a report and a recommendation. You guys following along so far? Making sense? Yep. Yes? Okay. All right. So fast forward to where we are now. We got a report and recommendation from this judge three and a half months after all of the papers had been filed. Can you explain what that is, James? The report and recommendation? Yes, versus the court order. Yeah. So basically what it is, is the magistrate judge reads through your complaint. They read through the motion to dismiss or whatever was filed and gives a report and recommendation on whether the motion to dismiss should be granted or should be denied. So from there, what happens is you have, if you're one of the, if you're one of the parties to the action and you object to that report, see, this is the part that I, I don't like is you now have 14 days to object to it. And if you don't, then the court can just go ahead and grant it. And you can't appeal that because you didn't object. Does that make sense? <laughs> so they're mixing constitutionally uh, sound court principles with administrative principles and trying to make it sound like it's all on the up and up. And so, can you can you pick that apart? And Oh, absolutely. Okay. So absolutely. you can put it back to them and say that this is unjust. Yes. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing right now. I mean, <clears throat> again, it's, it's extra work for us. We have mm -hmm. to file an objection to that report, but um, I shared with you guys before the show um, and, and I, and I'll share this in our, our telegram chat so everybody can see what I come up with, but um, I'm basically just, I mean, this, this magistrate judge, she's only been with the court since June of 2019. So prior to that, she was a, a partner in one of the leading law firms here in uh, the, the Utah area. So for all intents and purposes, she's still practicing law. So she's still a liar. She's still an attorney. And she thinks like one and you can mm -hmm. tell when she's writing her stuff. So, all right, let me get to you. Let me catch you up on what happened. So back in December of 2021, my friend was quote unquote convicted in a bench trial um, in one of these kangaroo courts. Okay. So <clears throat> what he did was because he was, I, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to stand for this. He filed for an appeal. Now the process is, is if you're being prosecuted in one of these administrative type courts, you get a whole new trial because again, it's unconstitutional to begin with, right? Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he filed for an appeal. It's called a trial de novo. De novo just means over again, new. And in that process, he filed an amended complaint, meaning we updated the stuff that happened in his original complaint. We filed that with the federal court on January 18th of last year, 2022. Okay. That, that amended complaint sat there for seven months. They did nothing with it. This judge, this magistrate judge did nothing with it. We were getting very frustrated. Uh, justice. Yes. Is there a statute of limitations for these people to make decisions for these? No, that's the thing that's, and I'll, and I'll share with you the rule. And, and I'm, again, I'm going to point this out. 
um, in my opposition, but no, there's, there's, there's nothing that there's no time limits that, that the court has set for these magistrate judges to do their jobs. It's, it's absolute garbage. I, I agree. Absolute garbage. So we filed the amended complaint. It sat there for seven months. Nothing happened. We filed another, another documentation with the court asking the court for an answer. We got nothing. So while all this is going on, his um, appealed trial was going on and we were getting nowhere fast over there, challenging jurisdiction, challenging. Um, we challenged uh, the constitutionality of the statute. Um, it was going nowhere fast. And, and he was just the poor guy. He's like, hey, I'm just this guy's offering me this plea in advance. I'm just going to take this just to just to be done with this. And I'm like, OK, that's your choice. So he did. Never mind. Again, going back to our previous episodes on void judgments, if the court is without subject matter jurisdiction, it doesn't matter if you take a plea in advance, it's still a void judgment. Oh, okay. But we have to, if he decides he wants to attack that later, we have to. So, so here's where we are. She issues this report. And after she finally dockets his amended complaint, which was in August of last year, the defendants file another motion to dismiss and they want to use um, documents from the appeal, the appellate court case as evidence as to why his amended complaint should be dismissed. Okay. So you guys with me here, mm -hmm. we filed in January, all this other stuff happens in July and in August, they filed a motion to dismiss and include the stuff that happened in July. So they're basing it on stuff that transpired after the lawsuit. Bingo. Bingo. Right. So <clears throat> this judge, I don't even want to call her that. This magistrate. Let's call her magistrate. Because she's not a judge. She hasn't figured it out yet. She comes back and says, well, the court's going to go ahead and take notice of that stuff that happened in July. It's called judicial notice. Mm -hmm. And... I'm sitting here going, hmm, you must have a time machine or <laughs> some magic trick for being able to see into the future. Because if you're going to take judicial notice of stuff that happened six months after the complaint was filed, then, hey, why don't you go ahead and just issue my judgment now for all these other lawsuits I've got going on? Because mm -hmm. you, can, you can apparently see into the future. That's essentially where we are. Right. Does that make sense to any of you? No. Erica, does I mean, that make sense to you? No, I think what makes sense is they're trying to uh, catch somebody with lack of knowledge and and wear them out. Yeah, financially, emotionally, and you know, with their knowledge, try to catch them on something that they're unaware of, so that well, tricks, my, right? Yeah. Well, my question is this: if 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 we are all entitled to equal justice under the law, how is it that we are? given equal justice under the law when you're going to use i mean let's just put it in, the, in our present tense if you're going to use stuff that happens six months from now in the case right now how is that that favors greatly one party over another how is that equal justice under the law does that make any sense at all no, none, none at all erica you're on mute in case you're trying to talk well but i had a bunch of children coming in and dogs and Oh, I just heard it. I heard what sounded like a cow. So I was curious if you had one of your cows in your front no, room. No, that's one of the children. That's one oh, of the okay. children. All right. So 
that's where we're at with that case. So I'm writing up a, a, a an objection to this this ridiculous report. And, you know, I'd share it with you guys, but I'm not quite done. <clears throat> I, I do want to put it in the, the Telegram. I will put it in the Telegram chat, I should say, for everybody to see. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's just like Heather says, they're, they're, they're cherry picking, right? And they obviously held up the show because they knew you had an appeal going on. It's, it's, it's absolutely the truth. So, um, anyway, so that's where that is. And, 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 you know, Etain, you're correct. Delaying justice is no justice. As a matter of fact, there's a maxim of law that says delayed justice is justice denied. So justice delayed is justice denied. So, um, by the way, the, the rule that we're talking about that governs the actions of magistrate judges, it's a federal rule of civil procedure, Rule 72, and it states that when magistrate judges are given motions to dismiss, things like that, they must promptly conduct the hearings mm. and make a record of all of the evidence. And she has done neither one of those mm -hmm. things. Neither one. So... So that's where we are. <clears throat> any uh, any questions about that before we move on? Yeah. What are what are the consequences for her for not following that maxim? Well, we again, since we have been waiting for because unfortunately, this poor guy, two of his cases are assigned to her. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's very frustrating. So um, two of these cases are assigned to her and. Um, she, um, we filed a judicial conduct complaint against her with the 10th circuit court of appeals. Okay. And that, that process is going out, going through right now. Good. And I'm sure she's, she's aware of that, but we're just going to throw this right back in her face. So good, good. Okay. So, um, anyway, so, um, Hey, I, I apologize. I need to, um, take a quick break and then I will come right back. My wife is needing my help for something. Can you guys uh, just chat amongst yourselves for a couple we, of minutes? We will chat amongst ourselves. Erica right. can share what she, uh, found in that book. That would okay. be great. I will be right back. Okay. Well, I was actually, um, looking for something else and I came across it. Um, I, I have this really great book by, um, Brent Johnson, uh, the American sovereign, and it just takes really complex topics and shrinks them down to where you can actually understand it. Can and, you show them the book? Do you have it with you? Um, I don't have it upstairs here with me. It's downstairs. Okay. Say uh, it again. What's it called? It's called the American sovereign. Um, okay. it's, he has spent 30 years of his life just studying this, this stuff, um, and it's all right in line with what we've been talking about on this channel and, um, just figuring out what actually really is law and what, who has jurisdiction over you and, um, how to prove it. And he referenced, um, a 17 page, uh, motion to dismiss based on lack of subject matter jurisdiction in his book, um, Wiseman, um, let me see. It was, yeah, Charles Wiseman, The Authority of Law. Um, and so I was just researching it right before we got on here and I just started looking through it. There's a whole section on um, procedure, jurisdiction and arguments and the subject matter jurisdiction, because I just know that no matter if you have an upcoming case 
Or if you've already served time for one that you've been charged for, if you're already on the other side of it, at any point in between, you can always file for lack of subject matter jurisdiction over your case and have it dismissed. So um, that was just a resource that I was looking up. I was just talking about the the um, Arthur uh, the uh, the authority of law. James. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a great uh, it's a great read. Um, it's written by Charles Wiseman. Um, I'm not sure who he is exactly, but I just know the guy is super smart. He's actually got two documents or books that are very, very good reads. The first is the, the the authority of law. And then the second one is a treatise on arrest and false imprisonment. And he's actually got sample lawsuits there for false imprisonment, malicious prosecution, things like that. So it's really good. Um, I, I do want to address this question real quick before we get onto the topic at hand. So Heather asks the question, how do you go on the attack when they don't follow procedure? So it's a good, that's a great question. Um, I want to get, what do you guys think, Eric? I want to get your take on this, Erica Justice, and then then I'll give you guys my answer and what I would do. What do you guys think you can do? So if you're, well, you're being dragged judicial through. Judicial notices and bar grievances. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mean judicial collateral? Conduct? Do what? Do you mean judicial conduct complaints? Yeah. Yeah. Judicial conduct complaints, um, mm -hmm. bar grievances. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just I'm trying to think of what I have friends who are actually doing some of these things too, what they're actually doing, what they're filing. Um, yeah, yeah, just putting it on the record, like mm -hmm. writing a memorandum to put it on the record. Yep. What about well, bonds? Do bonds play a part at all? Bonds? The insurance bonds? Um, no, unfortunately they don't. So, well, they might, but I have yet to see anybody successfully use them in, in a way that, that's meaningful. So, Because okay. they are public servants, correct? They're they are public servants, yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they <clears throat> technically, again, they serve the public. They're supposed to work, work for us. Um, you can sue them in their individual capacity as well, can't you, for breaking you can. the law? Yeah, so... Essentially, what you, the first thing you need to do, um, so step number one is when you're being dragged into one of these administrative courts, these kangaroo courts, as we call them, and they're any one of these um, municipal courts or justice courts, whatever they're called, wherever you are. Um, <clears throat> so the first thing you need to do is you need to file a motion to dismiss and you need to challenge the jurisdiction, challenge the you can challenge the personal jurisdiction definitely challenge the subject matter jurisdiction, which we're going to talk about more today on how that works. Um, there's a whole bunch of different other things you can do, but you've got to make your record and it has to be in writing. Make your record, get it in writing, because what happens is as soon as jurisdiction is challenged, that court is presumed to be without jurisdiction. Now, whoever the moving party is, so for example, if it's like the city of whatever or the state of whatever, if that's the moving party, whoever represents the moving party, they're now required to prove that they have given the court the subject matter jurisdiction it needs. So we talked about that before, right? Erica, mm -hmm. what are the two things that consist of subject matter jurisdiction? Um, one of these days I'm going to be able to answer this straight <laughs> to your face. There's two uh, things. Remember what they are? Standing. Like standing one. Yep. Standing. And then yep. the other one was... Um, Gosh darn it. Think, think of the action. The action. 
Yeah. So like, it it's doesn't either help the, me. I'm going to commit top. it to memory this time so that the next time you ask me, I'm going to know, I'm going to write it down. this time. So, so it's, it's, it's the authority to act. So it's either the common law cause of action, the statutory cause of action that that court can adjudicate. Okay. All right. I'm going to remember that's that. The first part. And then the second part is, okay, who's the real party in interest? Who has a, who has standing to do this? Right. Right. So <clears throat> what, what, what's happening is men and women all over this country are being prosecuted by the state. The state is not a real party in interest. Now on the administrative side of things, they can do whatever they want, which is what they're doing, but people don't stand up and object and object. So, so what you're going to do in this process to answer that question, to go on the attack is again, number one, you're going to file your objections into that case in in written in writing. And the second thing you're going to do, and there's a few different things you can do. Um, you can do like what I did before, where you file a collateral suit in federal district court, because again, once jurisdiction is challenged, it can never be presumed. And if they continue to just steamroll over like they did us, well, they no longer have immunity. So that's the case I was just talking about. So um, <clears throat> we are suing them in federal court for damages because they didn't via they didn't uphold our constitutionally secured rights. So what a lot of people don't know is a lot of these traffic offenses or minor quote unquote criminal offenses that are like class B's or C's or D's, whatever they are. Um, they are those, those offenses are what's called summary offenses where the prosecution will prosecute you administratively according to administrative law. An administrative law doesn't guarantee or uphold any of your rights. Read your state's constitution. You all have a right to face your accuser. Your accuser, you have a right to, and you have to be given a notice and opportunity to be heard. That's right. You have a right to know the nature and cause of the accusation. You have a right to face your accuser. So again, how do you face your accuser if the accuser on the documentation says state of Utah, or state of Indiana, or state of Idaho, or state of state of whatever? Who's responsible for the state? Exactly. So that's why, that's why you can't, that, that's, that's, that doesn't fly. So, so that's, that's the, that's the first part of it, right? So you can file a lawsuit. The second thing you can do is you can, like we talked about in last week's show, where we were talking with uh, Kirk Pendergrass, you can file what's called for a writ of prohibition. You do that with your state Supreme court or your state's appellate court, depending on the rules. And it's called a petition for a writ of prohibition. So you, you file all your stuff in there and say, hey, this lower court is ignoring my constitutionally secured rights. I need you to issue an order to tell them to stop. That's what a writ of prohibition is. So, yeah, I mean, Eric, this is absolutely right. Traffic laws, bills of pains and penalties. Every single one of them is. Every single one. So... Does that answer that question? Did we, did we get there, you think? So the question was, how do you attack? Yeah, how do you go on the attack? All right. yeah. And it was um, you file a motion to dismiss. Yep. And you challenge their jurisdiction mm -hmm. in writing. Yep. Um, and they have to have standing or yes. a statute, statutory cause of action. Yep. Common law or a statutory cause of action. Yes. Okay. And then uh, number two would be file a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And it has to be filed against a party, a person, yeah. not an entity. 
Well, you can actually file it against an entity in that case too, as long as you're you're claiming a statutory cause of action. Okay. Right. So you, so can, like, fi you can file it against the city then. Yeah. So you, well, again, there's 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 two there's two trains of thoughts here, right? So if you're suing, so for example, if I'm suing you, Justice, and I'm just suing you, so that's just one man suing another woman. Right. But if I sue you, Justice, because you are the um, judge in a case or the prosecutor in a case and I sue you individually as who you are as a woman and officially as who you are as a prosecutor, whoever you work for is going to take notice because they're on the hook. Right. So. Which is what we did. Yep. Right. Yep. That's and, what we did. And then number three is um, to file a writ of prohibition. Correct. Yep. Okay. Fi file for a petition for a writ of prohibition at either your state's appellate court or the state Supreme court, whichever handles that. Like here in Utah, the Constitution states that the Supreme Court has uh, jurisdiction for all extraordinary writs, which are common law writs. Um, but then, you know, the state, the Supreme Court has um, created rules where they've delegated that authority to the appellate court to help with any of that overload that might come through. So, so I'm brand new and this is my first case and I'm trying my hardest and I say, okay, James, I'm going to do these things. Now, how do I know who has the jurisdiction that I need to file this writ of prohibition with? How do I find so, out? So review your state's court rules. Um, most states, I would I'd be shocked if all of them don't put all of that information readily available online. If you don't have access to um, to a computer. Well, for one, how are you listening to us? If you don't <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just teasing. Um, if you don't have access to things like that, you can go to your local library. They have a computer there. You can access it. They should keep, um, actual hard copies of all of those rules. And it's just listed out right there. So just do a search for a writ of prohibition in your state, you know, how to file for a, a petition for a writ of prohibition in Utah or in Idaho or, or wherever. Um, and you, you should be able to find out how to do that. It's pretty simple. So, and is it, is it good cause to, uh, just double check with a phone call with the clerk or anybody to, absolutely. Just to make sure that yeah. you don't waste all your time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you'll be shocked how helpful, excuse me. You'll be shocked how helpful a lot of those clerks are. They They're are. very nice. Mm -hmm. They're very, They're very, very, very nice. People. Yeah. Yeah. Erica knows and, and justice, you know, too, cause you went down to the the federal courthouse and, and they're very nice people. And they say, Oh, Hey, well, look, looks like you're missing something here. You need to do this. Or, right. you know, you don't have the right document. This is the correct one. Go ahead and fill this out. Um, they're doing what the judge should be doing. Exactly. Mediating. They're doing what judges should be doing. They're mediating. Right? Yep. Yep. So, <clears throat> um, okay. So okay. good. Now, now that we have an understanding there, let's talk about, again, here we are half an hour into the show. <laughs> well, I think it was good. Are you, no, I agree. I agree. I, I don't, I don't mean to say that, you know, that that's not a good thing by any means. I just, sometimes we get these questions, you know, and it's, we go off on tangents, which I'm all right with, because I want to be able to get questions answered and I want people to have a good understanding of where to go. So it's right. all relevant information and necessary for understanding the big picture. I, right. I agree. I mean, that's the whole purpose of, of these is to help the people that need help. So I agree. Yeah. We're good. All right. So, um, for this show, I'm going to be sharing my screen quite a bit. So I am going to do as much as I can to dictate what I'm sharing. So for any of you who might be listening, you know exactly what I'm what I'm looking at and what I'm reading. Um, but I would also um, I would uh, um, if you want to see what I'm doing, you know, look us up and or watch our videos on YouTube, on Rumble, 
uh, um, we're on Cloud Hub. I can never remember all of the where we are. So yeah. So today we're streaming live on. We're always on YouTube because YouTube is the easiest and has the farthest reach. Unless mm. James decides he wants to do a copyright infringement, and then we get kicked off. <laughs> Sorry about that, people. Um, we are streaming on Rumble today. Rumble is um, a persnickety little station yeah. or platform, yeah. but we are streaming on Rumble today, and we are streaming on Twitter Live today also. So you'll find them immediately on those three. If I can't get it on Rumble, then it live streams to CloudHub, and then we'll upload it on to Truth Social um as well and i think we're going to start uploading on together as well so awesome awesome yeah and then apologize for those of you who may have missed last week's episode if you're only listening on podcast we had recording issues it didn't record um so the video the video is up on youtube um i would i would uh, recommend you guys go check it out it was a really good conversation that we had um opened a lot of eyes i think so and a lot and probably raised a lot of questions too but Opened a lot yeah. of eyes. Yeah. So. Major tech issues last week. Yeah, unfortunately. So, all right. So, topic at hand. How do we know if a law is a valid law? So, let me ask that question to you. Where where would you two go? If you wanted to know what your state's law is on something, how would you know? How would you find it out? IN.gov. <laughs> IN.gov. That's where I start out with everything usually when I have a question. I go to Telegram and ask James the Patriot. (laughs) Oh, gosh, you guys. (laughs) Well, I'm in Utah, so that's an easy one. If you're not in Utah and you don't know someone that's got them committed to memory almost, he's getting close. All right. So just just so everybody knows, I'm pulling up IN.gov. Well, um, looks like we're here. This, This must be Indiana, right? Yep. Looks like it. Okay. All right. So I want to find the state's laws. Um, well, if, since I've never been here before, I'm just going to come over here to the menu, see what I can find. Um, residence. Nope. That's not what I'm looking for. Government, maybe? Yeah. Let's look under the government tab. No. Oh, here we go. Under the government tab, oh, there's a link that says laws and administrative code. Let's click on that. And now we are in, oh, here's, here's the web browser for in case everybody knows for reference, iga.in.gov, Indiana General Assembly, just so you're aware. Um, okay, so there's a few things you can do here. You can search the code, bills, legislatures. Um, let's just see if we can look at one of the codes under laws, Indiana code. Um it's General like the worst family. website ever, by the way. I thought it was really it. poorly laid out. It it's, really it's is. horrible. It's I think it's yeah. by design so that you can't actually find anything helpful on it. Okay. All right. So the, the first law that comes up here is Indiana Code 2-1-9. It's general provisions relating to establishing legislative districts. All right. So you see all this stuff here. And then it brings up the next one and it says terms of reference to geographic units. It says all terms and reference to geographic units made in the descriptions in this article, blah, 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 blah. If I haven't put you to sleep yet, I will if I keep reading this. So. So do you have an example where somebody would be given something as law and it's not law and you go in to look for it? Well, yeah. So let me go back here. Let's. 
the first thing I would recommend everyone do is read your state's constitution. Okay. So I just opened up the Indiana constitution. It says it was amended last in 2018. So the first thing you're going to see is the preamble. Um, this is very similar to the preamble that we have here in Utah. You know, grateful to Almighty God for the free exercise of this right. Do choose to form our own government, and we do ordain this constitution. Then the next thing is going to be your bill, your bill of rights. Um, when they did the, the when they did the federal constitution, they did it backwards. They did, you know, all the functions of the government first. And then they did the Bill of Rights. It should have been the other way around, which is why you're going to see in most state constitutions it's done that way, um, where you have all the different sections here under Article 1. Um, these are your rights as declared. So I want to get down to... <clears throat> um, let me see. Again, I haven't looked through this, so I apologize. Article 2 talks about elections. You know, and I was just I was just looking at this up not that long ago because mm -hmm. um, there's a section upcoming here. I, I think it was in 26 is the number that's coming to my mind where it says that no ex post facto law shall be yeah. um, made. Yep. Yep. Because I was like, wait a second. Yep. Yep. The I actually just passed it. The state district attorney got in touch with me and said that he can't prosecute because of a law they just made up after the fact to give everyone immunity for all this stuff. <laughs> so I was like, wait, I just uh, read somewhere that that's like you're supposed to do that. Oh yeah. yeah. That that's, that's crazy. <laughs> um, okay. How many so, of us get taken advantage of not knowing, right? Seriously, seriously. Okay. So I'm actually under There's article four. Yeah, that one was just talking about bills originating in the house. Yep. I'm getting there. I'm under article four of the Indiana constitution. Yeah. And right here it says each house shall have all powers necessary for a branch of the legislative department of a free and independent state bills, section 16, section 17 bill may bills may originate in either house, but may be amended or rejected in the other except that bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives. Okay. Section 18. Every bill shall be read by title on three several days in each house, unless in case of emergency. And it says, but, uh, but the reading of a bill by title on its final passage, passage, bleh, passage, I can't talk today shall in no case be disposed with and the vote of the passage of every bill or joint resolution shall be taken by yeas and nays. Okay. Let's see here. There's some other good ones. Every act and joint resolution shall be plainly worded, avoiding as far as practicable the use of technical terms. That's section 20. Um, let's see. Section 23. Um. I'm just trying to see if there's any particular, because there's some here in Utah, and I'm sure that you have them here in, in Indiana as well. <clears throat> every state shall, every statute shall be a public law unless otherwise declared in the statute itself. Oh, here we go. No act shall take effect until the same shall have been published and circulated in the several counties of the state by authority which emergency shall be declared in the preamble or in the body of the law. Okay. Um, there's that one. Okay. So unfortunately, Indiana doesn't state that, which kind of stinks. 
<laughs> and it's okay um, because it doesn't matter. What we're going to talk about is um, how do you know if a law is valid? We talked about where do you go to find a law? So we just said, well, search it on your state's website. Okay. But here's my next question. Just because it's on the state's website, how do we know? How do we know that that came from the legislature? How do we know that? I mean, aren't we supposed to? How do we know that the people that we elected, and I'm and I'm giving air quotes on that. <laughs> how do we know that the people we elected actually wrote and passed the laws? that are published on your website. Any ideas, you guys? Well, it would have to be documented somewhere. All right, where? Where do you think? The in White the bill? House. In the... in the bill? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to come, because I spend a lot of time on this site, I know it, I'm going to now share my screen and go back to um, Utah's website. Okay, share my screen. All right, here we go. So what I have here is under the Utah State Legislature, Utah Code, and it has them all listed out here. A little, little easier to read than Indiana, right? Right, Erica? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Okay. So I'm going to come down here. I'm going to go to Title 63G, which is general government, and let's just look at this. All right. <clears throat> there, under this one, there's a Utah Administrative Rulemaking Act, Utah Administrative Procedures Act. Um, let's just look at that one. Part one, general provisions. This is the definitions right here. Okay. So it says here, as used in this chapter, agency is defined as this. Alternative dispute resolution is this. Arbitration means this. Neutral means this. Right? So this is on le.utah.gov. So this has got to be a valid law, right? Is that, is that what you guys are thinking and so far there's nothing that would throw me off like okay so far it's legit okay well i'm gonna throw a monkey wrench into that <laughs> and i didn't even notice this until i read the authority on law by charles wiseman very good read um, I'm going to share my next screen here. And this is actually on, uh, for those of you who remember last week, I had Kirk Pendergrass on. His website is kirkslawcorner.com and he has a library there where he has this stuff posted. So it's super simple and easy. Okay. What I have on my screen now is a memorandum and motion to dismiss for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. So this would be, let's say you're being prosecuted for some type of a criminal offense or a traffic law or something of that nature. That's what we're seeing. Okay. Under this memorandum and motion to dismiss, um, this is a 17 page document. I'm not going to go into all of this stuff here, but we're going to touch on a couple of things that really get you scratching your head. It says that the accused is denying and challenging the jurisdiction of the above named court over the subject matter in the above titled cause for the reasons explained in the following memorandum. So the first he talks about is the nature of the subject matter. Now we've already talked about what subject matter is, so we don't need to go back into that, right? 
talks about here that in an indictment or a complaint in a criminal case is the main means by which a court obtains subject matter jurisdiction and is the jurisdictional instrument upon which the accused stands trial. So the complaint or the indictment. Now you guys remember from a couple weeks ago, we shared, um, and again, thanks Heather for being the guinea pig. <laughs> we shared Heather's indictment or excuse me, uh, information. And it had the Utah code written on there. Right guys. You guys saw that. Remember that? Right. Okay. Copied and pasted it obviously. Right. Copied and pasted it. Right. Okay. So in this memorandum here, this uh, Charles Wiseman says the complaints in question allege that the accused has committed several crimes by the violation of certain laws, which are listed in said complaints to wit. And he's got uh, one, two, three, four, five intent to escape tax, no plates affixed to a vehicle, no insurance, no Minnesota registration and driving after revocation. Okay. He then goes on to state that he has been informed that these laws or statutes have been derived from a collection of books entitled Minnesota statutes, right? Let me go back to the screen here. Utah code, Utah statutes. Okay. So just because it's online doesn't mean that it's not comprised elsewhere. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Okay. Moving on. He says, upon look, uh, upon looking up these laws in this publication, I realize that they do not adhere to several constitutional provisions of the Minnesota Constitution. This is where it gets really interesting. He says, by Article 4 of the Constitution, all lawmaking authority for the state is vested in the legislature. Now, that's the same in no matter what state you're in. We just saw that in Indiana when I pulled up the Indiana statutes, excuse me, the Indiana Constitution. Um, you're going to see that here. <clears throat> Let me go back to the screen and I will pull up Utah constitution. The legislative power of the state, which in this case is Utah shall be vested in a Senate and house of representatives and the people of the state of Utah. Okay. So there's three ways laws can become laws in, in the state of Utah. Either it can originate in the Senate, the House, or we the people. We good so far? Check, tracking. Missing? Tracking. Any questions that I'm missing so far? We're good? We're still on? I on have track? a question, and I don't know if it's pertaining to making laws or amendments to the Constitution. Sure, go ahead. But I'm under the understanding, and I could be wrong, mm -hmm. is that we the people are supposed to take part in those decisions. We are. Mm -hmm. But we're not. In amending the Constitution? Yeah. Yeah, we're supposed to. Um, and it usually shows up on your when, when you get your um, election ballot or when you go to vote, you'll see, hey, do you want to vote for this person? You want to vote for this person? And then there'll be it's proposed that this amendment be changed to the Utah Constitution. And this is the proposed amendment as follows. And that's every time. It's not every time we vote. There's not always a constitutional amendment. up. For no, every time they make a change. Every time. Yes. Okay. It must go through. The people must must give their consent. Yes. Okay. By so the it's consent of the governed. Exactly. Because again, where is all political power? Where does that come from? The people. See, see the, see the, the, you can't see my finger. <laughs> see this thing behind my head? We the people. The people. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All political power is inherent in we the people. Okay. okay. So what about 
in the making of laws. That is why we elected them. Exactly. We, the people, elected our representatives and we vested them with power to make, to write and to make laws based on the process, right? They, they write up a bill. They put the bill to a committee. The committee debates on the bill. The, the committee says, yeah, we're going to go ahead and pass this or no, we're not. If the committee passes it, then it goes to the floor of the house where they have a debate and then they have a, a vote. If it passes the house, it goes to the Senate, same thing, debate. And they might offer amendments to it. Say, I want to change this, or I want to change this. And then if it passes all that stuff, then it goes to the governor or the president to be signed into law. That's how it works. Okay. okay? Just But it all work. has to be for the one purpose that government was created for, right? To Correct. uphold our natural rights. Exactly. Okay. So let's go back to this document because this is really the one where the light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea because when you step, when you step back, don't take anything at face value just because I'm going back to my state's website here, just because I'm on my state's website and this is what it says on the screen does not mean it is valid and enforceable law against one of you, the people. Do not take that at face value. You'll see why. Going back to this document here, this guy was in Minnesota. He says that by constitutional mandate, all laws must have an enacting clause. Okay. In his constitution, it says the style of all laws of this state shall be, be it enacted by the legislature of the state of Minnesota. Okay. That is a constitutional provision. Do you guys remember what um, you remember what constitutional provisions mean, especially right here? Can you see this on my screen, Erica? Can you read this for everybody? The provisions of this constitution are mandatory and prohibitory, unless expressed were unless expressed words, unless, unless by expressed words they are declared to be otherwise. Okay. So what does that mean to you? Well, that unless it's said otherwise. If it's written here, they must do it, right? Is that, yeah. is that what it means to you? If it's written here, they must do it. If it's written here that they can't do it, they must not do it, correct? Right, yeah. Okay, pretty simple, all right? Constitutional it's limiting in, in its nature. Exactly. That. Constitutional prohibited provision which prescribes an enacting clause for all laws is not not directory, but is mandatory. This provision is to be strictly adhered to as asserted by the Supreme Court of Minnesota. Okay, so somebody challenged something in the Supreme Court of Minnesota back in 1898 stated that we hold the Article 4, Section 13 of our Constitution, which provides that the style of all laws of the state shall be, be it, is mandatory, and that a statute without any enacting clause uh-oh, is void. Okay. <laughs> a statute without any enacting clause is void. But hold on a second. Um, I didn't see an enacting clause in Indiana. So does that mean you, that your laws don't have to have an enacting clause? I think all laws have to have an enacting clause, right? Um. Yeah. You're right. Um, 
I it's somewhere else in here, and I can't remember. I think it's in Georgia. Um, blah, blah, blah. I can't remember. I was reading it where he basically said the state, the, the Supreme Court of state of the state of Georgia. Um, oh, it's right here. No, that's not it. Dang it. I missed it. Urgh. Um, it stated that the Supreme Court of Georgia stated that even though their constitution does not have an enacting clause, it's a, it's a requ- it's a requisite. Yeah, it's right in the middle of the screen there. The Supreme Court of Georgia asserted that a statute must have an enacting clause. That's right. Even, even though, though their state constitution had no provisions for the measure. Yeah. It says the, the court stated that an enacting clause establishes a law or statute as being a true and authentic law of the state. All right. So let me close out of this. Now now we know what an enacting clause is. Um so let's go back and let's read. Uh, let me go back to my screen again. Let's go back and let's read one of the laws here in, in Utah. Okay. And before I do that, I want to point out two things. When I was searching my uh, state constitution, this is article six, five. Yes. No, six. I'm an idiot. One, two, three, four, five, six. Article six. <laughs> Roman numerals. Me no so smart. <laughs> Article six. Okay. And then down here, there's a few different things. Section 22 says, and the thing I, w- I want to touch on is right here, where it says bill to contain only one subject. Okay. It says no bill shall be passed containing more than one subject which shall be clearly expressed in its title. All right. So we got that. The second thing I wanted to point out is this one right here. The presiding officer of each house. So this would be the presiding officer of the house, which would be the speaker of the house and the presiding officer of the Senate, which would be the president of the Senate. Not later than five days following adjournment shall sign all bills and joint resolutions passed by the legislature certifying to their accuracy and authenticity as enacted by the legislature. Okay. Pretty straightforward. Yes. You guys still there? <laughs> yes. I'm, yeah, definitely. Okay. I just want to make sure. It. My little dog keeps barking. So I, I'm muting. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So we're, we're pretty clear on what that says. So, Let's go uh, go back to where I was going to go. Um, dang it, where was I going to go? Uh, oh, how, how are we going to know if the law is really a valid law? So let's go to back to one of these codes. I'll go right here. Let's just go down to one of our criminal codes. Title 76. All right, so let's look at the one that Heather was charged with, which is this one right here. Assault penalties. Okay. Do you guys remember what I just read? Yes. One no bill. bill shall be passed with more than one subject, which subject shall be expressly expressed in the title. Correct? Right. Does that look like one subject to you? No. Okay. Secondly, where is the enacting clause? Do you guys see an enacting clause anywhere? No. Okay, let me go back to, because I found this here. Under Title 36, which is our legislature, and I found it here. 
talks about chapter three. This is what Utah states enacting clause and enrolling of bills. The enacting clause of every law passed shall be, be it enacted by the legislature of the lowercase state of Utah. Um, it also talks about here that if there was any law that was passed by the vote of the people, shall say be it enacted by the people of the state of Utah. Okay. So explain the lowercase, James. Again, <clears throat> the whole purpose of, and I don't want to get off into the weeds, but. I know, but just quick. It, it, the state of Utah capitalized is a corporation. Okay. Okay. Lowercase state of Utah denotes um, geographical area. Okay. Just wanted to. Yep. That's that. Okay. So that's what it states here in section 301 of part three, of the legislation. There's also this one here, enrolling of bills. It says all bills ordered enrolled by the legislature shall be delivered to the office of legislative research and general counsel who shall without delay enroll the bills and return them to the secretary of the Senate or chief clerk of the house of representatives. All right. So remember that the office of legislative research and general counsel. Okay, so now we know what the enacting clause is, at least here in Utah. We were just looking at the criminal code that penalizes assault. Did you guys see this phrase there anywhere? Be it enacted by the legislature of the state of Utah? No. no. Okay, so on the face of the law, it's missing. Now, here's what's interesting. You guys notice that right here in the bottom that this little number is hyperlinked? Mm -hmm. So if I click on this, it sends me to the enrolled bill that was passed. Okay. Here's what's interesting. Um, over here, you're going to see um, a few things. It says the bill sponsor, the floor sponsor, and then it has drafting attorney, Robert H. Reese. Hmm. So who wrote this? Robert an Reese. attorney, not not a congressman. An attorney wrote this. Did we elect this attorney guy? No. Does he have any lawmaking or legislative authority whatsoever? No. Okay. Here's another thing that's interesting. Look at this. What do you see right here on line 27? Be enacted by the legislature of the state of Utah. Okay, but then you come down to here. Do, do, do you see that in here anywhere? Under the title, Legislative Sessions and Legislation, where is, be it enacted by the state of Utah or by the legislature of the state of Utah, where is that clause? And I'm talking from right here where it says Chapter 3, Legislative Session and below. Do you see that anywhere yes, here? Other I than do. I see it. It's uh, Part 3. Number 39. It's talking about the enacting clause of what it actually is. Okay. Right. That's just defining it. That's okay. the only, but as far <laughs> as it being in front of an actual like law, no. Okay. Hold that thought. See, that's where I get confused. Hold that thought. You just asked yeah. if I saw it. I was right. Yeah. Okay. Hold, no, you, hold did. That. you did see it. That's a good, good, good. Hold that thought. Okay. Here we are. We're back here on, um, this is Utah title 76, the criminal code. This is the one that Heather was charged with. It's the assault and penalties. Okay. 
Do you see an enacting clause anywhere on here? No. Okay. Here's a hyperlink again. Let's click on this. Let's go down here. There's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. So are they saying it's implied by putting the hyperlink? <laughs> you know, they imply Hold a lot. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Okay. Okay. I'm coming down here. Where do you see the be it enacted of the legislature? Uh, 219. Yeah. Line 219 states that, right? Okay. But then under section one, right down through here, section 101, application for definitions of title, offenses for which prosecution may be commenced at any time. Do you guys see that enacting clause under any of these titles or headings? Well, you're are, going they hoping so fast. That, are they hoping that we think it just carries over into each of the sections? It well, does not carry over. That's the point but, we're trying to make. That's, that's what, what I was saying. That's what they're thinking that maybe we'll be tricked by into thinking, right? Well, not only that, not only that would, would any of you, would anyone think to click on this little hyperlink down here? No. Did you even know that was hyperlinked until I moved no. my mouse over it? Yes, because it's blue. Okay. Now... Let's go back. I want to go back to the Utah Constitution again, and I want to go back to the legislative department, and let's go back down here to Section 25. All acts shall be officially published, and no act shall take effect until 60 days. Okay, so everything that's passed by the legislation, by the legislature, excuse me, must be officially published. Now, do you remember where here in Utah that is? Because I, 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 I'm going, I'm going really fast, and I apologize, but this is super important. I just want people to understand. Yeah, it's a lot. No, I don't remember. Okay, so let me go back to the page. It's this page right here, Office of Legislative Research and General Counsel. Okay. Oh, that's right. All right. So it's your drafting board. Yeah. Hey, Erica, would you read just the first couple lines of the About Our Office? The Office of Legislative Research and General Counsel is responsible for drafting and processing all legislation, performing policy research and analysis, providing legal counsel, and staffing legislative committees. You caught them with their pants down, what? James. <laughs> what do your senators do? What do your House of Represent? What do your representatives do? These guys are doing all the work. So you got that attorney mixed up, or he got yeah. himself mixed up yeah. in this mess, didn't he? Let, let me let me go back over here to this page. Let me go back to where I was with that uh, criminal. Okay, I'm a, and I'm gonna click on the hyperlink again. Who does it say wrote this law? Yeah. Was it Rogers. was attorney. it Senator Karen Maine and Representative Carrie Ann Lizenby? No, it was uh, drafting attorney Jackie Rogers. Okay, does Jackie Rogers have any lawmaking authority whatsoever? Nope. Did we the people elect Jackie Rogers to create and publish legislation? No. So why in the world is she writing laws that we're expected to follow? And there's no authority saying beforehand that it's, you know, the enacting clause. Beforehand. I'm sure they've created some kind of a, a clause or a rider or something in there to try to have that like as a ghostwriter, right? Exactly. That's, that's going to be their defense. You have to find that, I suppose. Well, okay. Remember, 
going back to the because the Utah Constitution, your state constitution reigns supreme for your state. So if it says it in here, it is what, what did we read earlier? It is mandatory and prohibitory, right? Mm-hmm. So going back here, I know I'm running really fast and I apologize, but going back in here under Article 6 of the Utah Constitution, Legislative Department, we talked about how all um, all of the acts are supposed to be officially published. So that's the Office of Legislative Research that does that. We talked about Section 22. It says the bill is to contain only one subject. And the most important thing, I think, in my opinion is section 24 that the presiding officer of each house shall sign all bills. Okay. The Supreme court has stated that the word shall is a mandatory. It's not Mm -hmm. have an option. No, you must do this. Mm -hmm. So this says certifying to their accuracy and authenticity as enacted by the legislature. So does that would, does it stand to reason that if all of the bills are supposed to be published, they're all supposed to be signed and they're all supposed to have an enacting clause that we should be able to access that information, right? Yes. Okay. So let me take you to the next little rabbit hole I went down. (laughs) Um, Let me go back to right here. So we're back here under the office of legislative research and general counsel. So I had, you guys, I had to dig to find this and it should not be hard to find this at all. So I'm like, all right, well, the the constitution states that everything has to be published and that we, the people are supposed to have access to it. So how do I find it? Well, I went up here under the research and legal and then I'm like, oh, there's a tab here. that says publications. Let me click on that. Okay. This is what I came to. Search all publications. And then I got right here the third line down under the Senate and House offices. It says laws of Utah. And then there was one for 2022. I'm like, oh, okay. So that should be the most current version. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that brought up this PDF. It says laws of the state of Utah 2021 passed at the second special session of the 64th legislature. Convened at the state capitol on November 9th, 2021, and adjourned November 10th. So it was just a one day. Okay. Then I see this document here from this poorly copied <laughs> um, certificate from the lieutenant governor. And this just really cracks me up. Um, Justice, do you want to read this section right here where it says this is to certify? This is to certify the acts and resolutions published in this volume are, according to the best information, our best information and belief, full and correct copies of the originals passed at the 2021 second special session of the 64th legislature of the state of Utah, as they appear of record in the office of the lieutenant governor and... And this is the second special um, convened at this time. All right. What, what really cracks me up in this is according to our best information and belief. Does that give anybody uh, a sense Confidence. of belief? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> does that, uh, Erica, does that give you a sense of uh, a sense of relief that, hey, no, this, what, no. what you're seeing here is what we believe it should be? Not even a little bit. No. That, that's <laughs> like the hearings in Congress on uh, not to the best of my knowledge. Exactly. 
Exactly. Here's the other thing too. You guys remember, um, you remember this provision right here, presiding officers to sign bills, right? Okay. So I'm going to scroll down here a little bit. Here's the first bill. Oh, look, there's that enacting clause above the section and title. Okay. And that's where it's supposed to be, right? No. Oh. This, this right here, be it enacted, is supposed to be under every single one of these provisions. Oh. So where it says 53B-1-102, line number one should say, be it enacted by the legislature of the state of Utah. And then everything here. Mm. And then when you go down to the next one, 53B-2-101, institutions of higher education, line number one should state that. It doesn't. Gotcha. My point is, is they're trying to pull the wool, the wool over our eyes. So they're implying it, but it's not exactly. legal. Okay. It's an implied law. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. But this is all one act here. And this is what, don't get me started about this one, Utah Tech University, where they took out Dixie State. Yep. My son okay. got a scholarship to there and then yep. changed his mind. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pretty quick here because I want to get to the bottom of this bill. Okay, let me get, get going. Um, it's right here. Okay. It was this bill takes effect July 1st, 2022. Do you guys see anything else here? Are you looking for that clause, be it enacted? No, I'm looking for this right here. Oh, that's not signed. Whoops, wrong one. Okay. Where are the signatures? Right. Um, hmm. Okay. Here's the thing too. Now, remember, um, let me scroll back up here. It'll get, I apologize. I'm going fast again. So now this is the official document, right? Mm hmm. So they can't say, well, this is just, you know, easy reading for the people. We have another document with the signatures. Do, do we not have the technology to be able to scan original documents and put them in a well, PDF I'm just format? playing devil's advocate, if you will. I, I get you. I get I get to exactly what you're saying, but that's my question is, mm -hmm. do we live in an age and time where the technology is not available to us, where we, the people, can see the original legislation? And this section is specifically labeled publications. Well, James, clearly they don't want us to see the originals of anything as we're finding out. <laughs> exactly. So I go here under everything of publications. I can't find anything. Um, <clears throat> now one thing where I scratch my head is it says here, as they appear of record in the office of the Lieutenant governor. All right. So you should be able to access this. Now, this is the problem that they, they don't, they don't make this, you, you guys, they don't make this easy, easily accessible. Right. And they so, weave things in and out too. Like it, when I was looking at the USC, like the, the United States code, Mm -hmm. That chart that I sent you that has, it, it's like a dot system of what, what actual positive laws are in there, what non-positive laws are in there, how they, it's like, well, part of this section is actual law and the rest of it's just like made up corporate law that doesn't really apply to everyone. And then this one's been repealed and, but they put it all together so that if you're just reading straight through it, you take it, you know, if you just take what you're reading for what it says without knowing all the history of how it all came together and who it's actually for. And, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's 
intentionally. It, it just it, it makes it makes your 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 you sit here and you scratch your head. You're going, well, how do I know? Just because it's published on the state's website, that doesn't tell me the average man of average intelligence, as my wife would say. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't tell me that this is a legit law, because we just we just found the evidence that the law was not even written by members that we elected. So, well, they, they certified it to the best of their beliefs. It, well, no. So that, <laughs> that's the publication. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you, you remember when we go back to, um, when we go back to where the law is archived, where we can actually see it. So right here is where, according to our best information and belief. All right, well, that's fine. But then write, whoops, not that one. I guess it is this one. But then when I go back over here to um, looking at one of the laws, let's go back to that assault law again, right? This is a criminal offense that someone we all know is being charged with. It says here that it was written by Jackie Rogers. Who the crap is that? You mean to tell me that Karen Maine who's the sponsor of this, didn't write this information? That's what it says. Then how am I expected to follow this? That's a okay. great question for the court, isn't it? Well, guess what? Somebody put that question before a court. And lo and behold, in the case of Peterson versus Peterson, this is the Idaho Supreme Court, 2014. They actually, they actually said something about this. Okay, they talk about how in 1947, I'm going to read this from here because it's super important. It says the 1947 legislation provided that the compilation completed by the 1947 Idaho Code Commission would be known by such name as the commission shall determine. The commission named the publication it produced the Idaho Code. In 1949, the legislature adopted that as the official name. It created a continuing code commission. Okay. Wherever you see code commission, just think these people. Let me go back to this page right the here. The general board. Office of Legislative yeah. Research and General Counsel. General Counsel. Yep. Anytime you, every state is going to have something like this. It might not be a code commission. It might be something along these lines or whatever. Okay. They are the people that are responsible for compiling all of the laws, quote unquote, and putting them in a format that's easily accessible to the public. And you said they were bar members. The, yes. Well, we, we just read that, didn't we? Yes. Yep. The OLRGC has four primary staff groups, attorneys, <laughs> policy analysts, bill and data management specialists, and administrative support. Not one of those four groups have any lawmaking authority whatsoever. No. Okay, whoops, let me go back to the screen here. So it created a continuing code commission to keep the Idaho code current without the necessity of forming a commission to compile the statutes from time to time. The legislation authorized the publication of pocket parts to the volume of the Idaho code or as necessary, the, re the republication of single or more volumes. Okay, let's move on here. It says... The Idaho Code is a compilation of laws enacted by the legislature. It is not a codification in the sense that the legislature has enacted the contents of the current version 
of the Idaho Code as the laws of Idaho. Did you guys catch that? No, it's okay. So a confusing. Mm-hmm. So it's a compilation of laws enacted by the legislature. However, it is not a current version of the Idaho Code as approved by the legislature. It says the present Idaho Code is a compilation of laws, evidentiary, but not a codification thereof. Mm-hmm. All it is is just evidence. It does not mean, just because it's evidentiary, does not mean it's binding. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Thus, the compilation of statutes in the Idaho Code is merely evidence of the laws enacted by the legislature as set forth in the session laws. The Idaho Code is not the law. The Code Commission has no legislative authority. There you go. Bingo. Okay. Supreme Court of Idaho, 2014. That's going in your lawsuit, I'm assuming. Oh, you know that's right. (laughs) (laughs) So, here we are. Now that we know this, how do we know if these laws are truly valid? Enacting clause. That's number one. Every law must have an enacting clause in it. Needs to be signed. Needs to be signed. According according to the provisions here in Utah, it's supposed to be signed by the presiding members. So that would be the Speaker of the House. That would be the President of the Senate. And then it would be signed into law by the governor. Right? So you always hear all this stuff. Well, he just signed this into law. Well, where is it? Why can't I access it? Where do I find it? Now, you might be able to do a deep dive into like archives.gov or something like that. Um, or you could look in the state archives, which I have been so, messing around in the state archives to find stuff before, and it is near impossible to find. So, James, like, forgive me for putting it this way, but they're a pretend, they're pretending to be our government. There you go. By doing this. There you mm-hmm. go. This is a pretend government. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a corporation of attorneys writing up stuff, pretending to be authority over the people. And, and this, is, this is not, where's our real government? That's what exactly. I want to know. Going back to this motion to dismiss that Charles Wiseman wrote up, he says laws must be published and recorded with enacting clauses. He says it has been repeatedly held that an enacting clause must appear on the face of a law, right? We talked about what that means. On the face means it's got to be right there in front of your face. You shouldn't have to dig to find it. So it says the historical usage and application of an enacting clause has been for them to be printed and published along with the body of the law, thus appearing on the face of the law. Right? The laws referenced to in the complaints contain no titles. Remember what I talked about before? There's no Mm -hmm. title. There's no subject. Right? Each, only one subject per bill. Right. Okay? Let me scroll down a little bit more. Like I said, this is a 17-page document. This is the best part. The Minnesota statutes are of an unknown and uncertain authority. You You can just take Minnesota out and put whatever state you're in. The Utah statutes are of an unknown and uncertain authority. The so-called statutes 
referenced in the Utah Code are not only absent enacting clauses, but are surrounded by other issues and facts which make their authority unknown or uncertain or questionable. You guys see where I'm going with this? This is unbelievable. <laughs> this this dude, this Charles Wiseman, the smart guy. He figured this out long before anybody else did. I put the link to that document in the chat, folks. And um, Kathleen Ramsey's in the chat also. She did an interesting, she pointed out uh, about the attorneys. Yeah, what did she say? Oh, yeah, an attorney only practices like an, like an athlete. Exactly. They cannot be law, they practice. Right. And Kathleen is, uh, she writes contracts. She's a yeah, paralegal. Yeah, she's, so a, she's, she's a contract. Yeah, so she knows that stuff. Yeah. Very smart. She's been on with us before. Hi, Kathleen. So here's, here's another thing. Establish rules of constitutional construction. So then we're going back to the subject matter. So all of this has to do with, your, not only are you attacking, number one, there's nobody withstanding, you're also attacking the subject matter as it relates to the statute of the law. Right. There's no evidence that this is a valid law. Oh, that's preposterous. It's on our website. I don't care. Prove to me this is a valid law and that I am required to follow it because nothing that the constitutional, remember, constitutional provisions are what? mandatory and prohibitory. So would this also apply to all the way down to your town council level? Absolutely. Be it enacted that Absolutely. you may not have chickens in your backyard. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. By what authority? Last time I checked, we the people hold all the power and we delegated our authority to our, our representatives who we give them the power to enact laws. But we also said, okay, because we're giving you a power to enact laws, we're going to host, we're going to put certain provisions, things that you can and cannot do. So if you're going to enact a law that's going to affect anything that I do as one of the one of the people, then it must have an enacting clause. It must be signed by this, and it must be readily accessible by everyone so we can find it. And uh, they're just, it's not. They're just not doing that. So. <clears throat> He talks about here that the issue of subject matter jurisdiction for this case squarely rests upon certain provisions of the Constitution of Minnesota. To wit, all, all laws of the state shall be enacted by the legislature. No law shall embrace more than one subject, which shall be expressed in its title. And in, here in Utah, I would add the second one. All law, excuse me, third one. All laws must be signed by the presiding officer. These provisions are not in the least ambiguous or susceptible to any other interpretation than their plain and apparent meaning. Okay. He goes on more, more on through here. Um, I just want to scroll down to the, uh, to the bottom. <clears throat> he says, based upon the above memorandum, the accused moves that this action and cause be dismissed for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. And then he, I love this caveat here. He, he writes in a caveat, I regard it as just a, as just and necessary to give fair warning to this court of the consequences of its failure to follow the Constitution and uphold its oath and duty in this matter. Then he talks about how to to fail the failure to uphold these plain and uh, these clear and plain provisions would be a usurpation and treasonous. Mm hmm. Well, that's running rampant, isn't it? To assume jurisdiction in this case would result in treason. Okay. 
Uh, and he talks about if this court departs from the clear meaning of the Constitution, it will be regarded as a blatant act of tyranny. <laughs> uh, this is a great case here. It has been said with much truth, where the law ends, tyranny begins. Mm-hmm. A case from 1881. Yep. Okay. Um, yes. So... Tom asked a question. Are you guys um, are you guys going over the book Kirk recommended? That's the one. Yep, that is the one. Thanks, Tom, for a good question. So, and that's just total confirmation because I didn't even I was doing something last week and couldn't be here and mm-hmm. had no idea that that book had even come up and it was referenced in another book that I'm reading that, that we were so talking we about were, earlier. Yeah, yeah, that we were both like finding that independently and then talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's time. It, all, all I am saying, guys, is again, how, how do you how do you fool the masses? Make them think something is the law, and make hide them think they have to view. follow it. Yep, you hide it in plain view. So they have. I mean, I, I am sure for a very long time um, that um, you know this stuff was readily available until the bar association decided, hey. We can control every facet of everyone's lives. We can we can make the laws that they're required to follow. We can prosecute them when they don't. We can take massive amounts of monies from these people. It's just a, you want to talk about the biggest criminal scheme on the planet. This is it. It's evil. It's just it taking is. taking advantage of the ma- the majority of people's good heart and trust. It is. It's really sad, but you're right, Justice. It is it is downright evil. It's disgusting and it's sickening. So well, this is how we this is how we overcome it. We we learn yeah. it ourselves and then we teach our children yeah. so that they can't get to them. Like yeah. they see it clearly, they can see it coming and they're not gonna get sucked into it. Yeah. Um Joe asked a question, what book is it? Um, but it's the authority on the authority of law by Charles Wiseman. Uh, we 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 posted a link. Um, it was here in the chat, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Just right go here. up in the chat. It's right yep. there. Just go up a little bit in the chat. You'll see it. Yep. It's under the famguardian.org law challenge jurisdiction, the authority of law, Charles Wiseman. It's a PDF document. You can download it. And I'll put it in Telegram as well. So perfect. Um, <clears throat> and I imagine you'll probably put it in our video description underneath yep. the video. Yes. Awesome. I will. So, okay, you guys. So that's what I had today. You know, what's so funny is, <clears throat> you know, when we, when we finish, each one of these episodes, I have no idea what to talk about for the next episode. <laughs> something pops up throughout the week and God, I'm like, we got to talk about this. So um, I hope this was uh, I hope this was good information. Um, Heather, real quick. I just want to let you know, since you're on here, this is exactly what we're going to be doing to attacking this, the garbage in your case. Okay. Everything else that we've been doing, just set it aside. It's irrelevant because they cannot prove that these laws are valid. So we're going to make them do that. So anyway, um, with that, I'm going to leave it with you guys for a good weekend. Erica, Justice, you guys have anything else you want to share before we sign off? Just, you know, keep inching forward one sentence at a time and you'll absorb stuff. It's good that's, advice. Erica, what about you? Use every bit of time you have to, to, you know, there's no dull moment for me in my days if i'm cooking noodles i'm also listening to a podcast or doing something you know write it on your foreheads like teach it to your children learn it together with your families Mm -hmm. like we all need to know this this is our armor yeah there's, there's, 
there's a lot of great resources. And let me just point out that Google is so compromised. So if you all are using Google as a search engine, um, I find a ton of stuff on, there's a, a search engine called Free Spoke, and I'm not trying to promote anything. We don't mm -hmm. promote anything, but I'm just telling you my personal, I can find PDFs of books and things like that on this thing called Free Spoke. It's what it's called. Yeah. And it won't show up on Google. It doesn't make the first two pages, not even there. So yeah. there's something, you know, comp compromising that you would think is or whatever, and you can't find it. Go try a different search engine. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we've all just been so used to just pulling up the Google page and searching. So it's And another thing too, sometimes, and I would just want to provide encouragement to anybody else like this. Sometimes I have to read one sentence 10 times. <laughs> Before it sinks into, to, I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, yeah. My mom says I'm smart, but I, <laughs> I just read it 20 times and I still don't get what it's saying. So mm -hmm. sometimes I'll send a text to somebody else or I'll just kind of, what mm -hmm. is this even saying? But they do that on purpose. Yeah. They yeah. can hide the true meaning of things in a single sentence where you have to use 10 different books to look up each word to figure out what it's really saying. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, what what do they say? If you really want to hide something, hide it in plain sight. Right. Right. If yep. you don't want people to see, um, if you don't want people to find this, hide it in plain sight. And it's look, we just did that, right? And I'm just, this is right. Utah, people. Aren't we like one of the most red states in the freaking country? At least that's what they say. That's what they and say. That's what they say. And it's been hidden from us. And our legislature is complicit with it because, well, I. I defy you. I mean, I would say this to anybody. Go ahead and email your legislature and say, hey, did you write this bill? And if they're going to come back and say, no, uh, the, the council or so-and-so did. I was like, oh, okay, can you please provide their legislative authority for me, please? Yeah. It's a great idea if you have spare where, time. And where did they... to, if anybody wants to take on that challenge and then come so back. What and are our, rep us, what are our representatives and senators doing with all like – are they just puppets? Are they just like They're going out to lunch, hanging out, Go to being lunch. the sponsors? Yeah, I, that's again, it, it's it's really bad. You know, you have the lobbyists, you have all those people up there. Right. Um, it's it is really sad. I mean, I was up at the legislature a couple years ago because I was, you know, when I was starting on my journey, starting to figure this stuff out, and I'm like, um, I'm gonna go start making my voice heard, thinking, doing things like I thought I had to. Now that I know, I'm like, guys. If you didn't write this, Mr. Senator or Mr. Representative or Mrs. or Mrs. Representative, it, this has no binding effect on me as one of the people whatsoever. Yeah. Because I didn't delegate as one of the people, as we're all, whereas all the political power is inherent in it, we the people, we did not delegate that authority to some Joe Blow attorney. Yep, exactly. Imagine how much more simple it will be in the next 10 years if... God willing, mm -hmm. all of this this fluff gets cleared out, right? Can you imagine, though? I mean, what would happen if you actually had people who who, who were in the Senate or were in the legislature by uh, both the federal and the state that actually knew how to write and knew how to write bills? Like back in the day, <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm sure that there are people like that. Like I know Mike Lee, for example, here in Utah, he, he writes his own stuff because he's a smart dude. He right. writes his that's, own stuff. That's why they were elected. Back in yeah. the day, our forefathers. Right, and didn't much. didn't weren't all of our founding documents written by esquires? Yeah. And um, what, like, the founding documents? No, 
They were written on the, yeah, they were all written by the founding fathers. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, hmm. he wrote, he wrote, the, they sat down and wrote the Constitution. There might have been some of them who were lawyers or whatever, yeah. but the Bar Association didn't exist then. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so in the sense, in the true sense of what, you know, a, a lawyer was, a law sayer, they were, they were like, hey, we hold these truths to be self evident because, duh, this is what we, we just know. Mm-hmm. So, Anyway, uh, rolling up here in an hour and a half, you guys. Thanks so much again. Appreciate you guys joining us. Those of you who've been here, um, let's look like Tom, Joe, uh, Kathleen. Appreciate you, Etain, AFC to AZ, Heather. Who else am I missing? I know I'm missing somebody else, but that's all I can. Oh, Eric, thanks for being here, you guys. Uh, T Marine or Martine, excuse me. Thanks so much for joining us in the live stream. I really appreciate you guys being here. And again, I hope this information is useful. I hope you guys can. Learn from this, maybe start jumping down the rabbit hole in your own state and going, oh my gosh, I had no idea. So again, when you really look at the, when you, when you, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. So if you just read your constitution for face value, but then you go, wait a second. Okay. We, we gave our authority to these people, but these people over here are writing the bills. One of these things is not like the other, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the old Sesame Street thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> One of these things doesn't quite belong. <laughs> yep, exactly. So anyway. And thank that, you, guys, James. Thank you for your yeah. hard work and time. Well, you're... If you guys for... don't know, I'm always, James is just like Superman. He works full time. He's got a large <laughs> family. And he does as much as he can to help those for free on the side all the time. So be patient and telegram. If you don't get an answer back, because, you know, one thing you can't buy is time. That's so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Well, thank you, Luke, 1019. Thank you for it. We appreciate you guys. Um, with that, we're going to sign off and wishing you guys all a happy Super Bowl weekend. For those of you who are going to watch that. Yeah. What was that look for, Erica? <laughs> I I didn't even know it was Friday. Okay. So the, there's a Super Bowl is news to me. Honestly, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I've got well, some interesting interesting news about that real quick before we jump off. I was yeah, just yeah, reading, a, reading an article that they were talking about you putting some ads with Jesus at the Super Bowl, and there's a big rigmarole. Oh, I no. haven't looked into it, but this conservative guy came on. He said, really? What's his name could dress like the devil during the Grammys, and we can't put up an ad about, you know. But it, I, interesting. That that would be interesting to see. So Yeah, for sure. That's a good, it's a good sign. It's a great sign. Yeah. No, it really is. It really is a good sign. So, all right, everyone. God bless you all. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. Until next time, take care. Blessings, everyone.